We've been going through Ephesians chapter 4, talking about the old man and new man. I'd like to encourage you also, as you're turning there to Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to be looking at verses 25 and 26 this morning, probably reading a little bit more of the context there. Let me encourage you, uh, next week we have a very special opportunity in the evening to worship together as a church, and I would encourage you to, to come out next Sunday evening at Camp Good News. We're going to be talking about, we're going to be doing some worship time, we're going to be singing, talking about God's Word. We're also going to be talking about some potential future plans for our church, we're going to be talking about the year in review, and uh, I'm just very excited about the opportunity to worship with you next Sunday night and encourage you to, to come and participate in that as well. And if, now if you'd stand as we read God's Word together, begin in verse 17. And again, the, the verses that we're looking at this morning are verses 26 and 27 of Ephesians chapter 4. Paul says this, Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learn Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and, it's corrupt, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. And then verses 26 and 27. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. You may be seated. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're excited about the opportunity to come to your word this morning. I pray that you would prepare our hearts. I pray that you would cause us to put off the old man and to, to put on the new and to be transformed in our minds and in our actions as your Holy Spirit works within us. Father, I, I pray that you would be glorified. I pray that our hearts would be truly changed and our actions would be the fruit of that, that heart change. And give us wisdom as we, we talk together this morning. I pray that you would uh, help me to be very clear in my speech, to say what you would have me to say and nothing beyond that. And I pray that you would cause us to be new people as a result of your Holy Spirit's work in our life through your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, the house that I grew up in had a large garage door. It was uh, a large garage door with three heavy wooden panels. When I was about 15 or 16 years old, I was playing a game in the cul-de-sac with one of my friends, and I was losing in fact, I, I lost the game, and uh, all throughout playing the, this game, I, I'm not even quite sure what I was playing it now, but uh, all throughout this game, I remember being very, very frustrated, getting more and more upset at, at losing this game. Finally, when I, I lost the game, I was, I was seething with rage inwardly. I didn't yell, I didn't shout, I, I didn't you know, say, you cheater, uh, I didn't uh, you know, blame myself. I, I was just very upset, very angry in my heart. I said, I'm going to go inside and get a drink of water. And so I started walking to my house. I came to the garage door, and every step that I took toward my house, I became more and more upset at what had happened, thinking about the, the different things that had gone on. I reached down 
and grabbed the handle of the garage door. And at this moment, I am just furious. And in one quick flash of anger, I lift up the garage door as hard as I can. And I begin walking into the house. And as I walk into the house, suddenly I feel this searing pain on my head. And I drop down to my knees and suddenly everything goes black. When I came to, I was lying on a cold, hard garage floor. Looking up, and I could, someone had their hand on my head and like a, damp and moist and sticky. And I saw my, my mom looking very concerned, my friend and my brother looking somewhat less concerned, but also concerned. <laughs> and I saw the garage door hanging precariously above my head. And what had happened was this, I, I had, when I had opened the garage door, I had kept on walking and the garage door had kept on going and I had opened it with such force that it came off the end of the, of the tracks and knocked me right on the head. Some of you are thinking, that explains a lot, okay? <laughs> and it does, I suppose. I went to the hospital. Ambulance came. They didn't want to move me, and they, they, they uh, put some staples in my head, okay? Also explaining a lot. <laughs> to this day, when I brush my hair, I can see this. My, my hair kind of grows funny, that, that part where the, the, the garage door hit me, and there's a, a scar, a long white scar on my, my head still to this day that is a reminder to me of the danger of even flashes of anger. I hadn't been screaming, hadn't been pushing people, hadn't been shouting, but in one moment, in one moment of frustration, I opened the garage door with such force, that I st- in such anger, that there's a still a scar on my body today that serves as a reminder of that moment in time. I would imagine that each of us, if we thought about it, could remember times where we could look around and see scars, literal scars and figurative scars in the lives of the people around us, scars that we put there because of our angry actions toward them. We could look at our spouse, our children, other family members, and see signs, scars that still exist because of the anger that we had in our hearts. I'd like to offer you a, a definition of anger, and if you're taking notes, this is a, a definition of anger that, that's helped me as I've tried to think through exactly what anger is. Uh, this isn't a, a definition I came up with, but anger is a powerful, passionate, negative emotional response to a perceived wrong. It's a powerful, passionate, negative emotional response to a perceived wrong. Something wrong happens to ourselves, to, to someone else. This isn't quite how we think life should be, uh, be, be happening right now. We see this take place, and there's this negative emotional response, and it's, it's powerful, and it's a passionate response. That's what anger is. And some of us, our anger, it, it's, like a, it's like we're a bank vault. Something happens, we're angry about it, we don't say anything, we don't yell, we don't shout, we don't do anything. We just take that event, we put it in the vault and shut the door. But it's there. We ain't forgetting it. And we kind of seethe with, with bitterness. Some of us are exploders when we become angry. 
something happens we don't like, a situation occurs that, that upsets us, and man, everybody knows it. We're like a, a star going supernova. We, we have this uh, bright flash of anger that shines brighter than a galaxy for a moment, and, and everybody knows to stay away from us when we get upset. We yell, we shout, we kick things, we explode. And some of us, probably all of us, have some sort of in-between position at times. And we have code names to describe it, right? I'm kind of frustrated. Okay. I'm a little upset. I, I'm irritated. And what we mean is I'm angry. <laughs> but I know anger is wrong. I don't want to say I'm angry because that would be wrong. I'm frustrated at you. Are you angry? No, just frustrated. Okay. Each of us, each of us has sinful anger. Anger that has not achieved the righteousness of God that needs to be put off. Remember in, here in Ephesians 4, we're looking at uh, types of behaviors to put off and types of behavior, behaviors to put on. In Ephesians chapter 4, we see that God has created us to be new people. There is an old way that we used to live. We walk just like everybody else. Ephesians 2 talks about how we, we walked in the, the practices of, the, of sinful people. We were sinful people. We were children of wrath, in fact, and we lived like it. Now, now, we have, through faith in Jesus Christ, we've been born again. We've come to a moment in our lives, I hope this is true for most of us, and if it's not, I pray this becomes true of you. We've come to a moment in our lives where we've realized that we're sinners, we've realized that we deserve God's wrath, and we've realized that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, and so we've placed our faith in him alone for our salvation. And in that moment, we're born again. We become new creations. We're a new creature. And the challenge for the Christian is to put off those sinful practices, those things that became so habitual, such a part of our life, to put off who we used to be and put on new behaviors associated with being a Christ follower. And we saw two weeks ago, for example, that we're to put off falsehood and put on truth. Next week, we're going to see that we're supposed to, to put off stealing and put on giving. You see the, the difference there? You put off the old man behavior, the old self behavior, and you put on the new behavior. Months ago, when I was kind of going through the, the book of Ephesians and kind of designing the different sermons and, you know, when we're going to do which sermon and what we're going to call it, I kind of put, put a general theme for this, this morning's sermon. I said it was putting off anger and putting on peace. But that's not what the text says. And as I studied it more, I was very surprised to, to, to realize the force of the instruction here. What does Paul say in verse 26? He doesn't say put off anger. What does he say? Be angry. That's a command. Be angry. And yet he says do not sin. What Paul is saying is that anger itself is not sinful. We'll talk a little bit more, though, about how rare righteous anger is. But, but anger in and of itself is not a sinful emotion. But there is a, a type of anger associated with our old man behavior, who we used to be before Christ, that we're to put off. And there's a new type of anger, a righteous, godly anger, that we're to put on. And this new righteous anger, again, I would suggest to you, is very, very rare. Okay, if it exists, if, if we're able to experience it perfectly at all. But Paul's instruction here is, is to put off the type of anger that's associated with who we used to be and put on this new godly anger, the type of anger that God himself experiences. Let me suggest to you that the difference 
the way that you can dis- distinguish between bad anger and good anger, if you will, old anger and new anger, the way we distinguish between these two, ty- two types of anger is motivation and manifestation. What motivates us to get angry and how does that anger manifest itself when we have it? That will give you a clue as to whether or not you're experiencing old anger or new anger. What motivates me to get angry and then how does that anger manifest itself? Old anger, new anger. Let's look at the text here. We're going to first of all talk about the anger of the old self. So look at old self anger. We're going to see that Paul, Paul gives us three characteristics of old self anger. The first characteristic is here in verse 26. It says, be angry and do not sin. The, the first thing that's important to remember about old man anger is that old self anger is sinful. Okay, pretty simple. Old self anger is sinful. Why is it sinful? Well, because it's, sin- it's sinful because of what motivates us to get angry, and it's sinful because of how the anger manifests itself, okay? Old man anger, first of all, is sinful. It's sinful because of what motivates us to anger, and it's sinful because of how that anger manifests itself. What motivates the old self to get angry? Well, look again at the text. Remember the context here. He's talking about, uh, in verses 17 through 24, or really 17 through uh, 20, 19, he's talking about, characteristics of who we used to be look again the old self the old self is walks in the futility of their minds in the end of verse 17 the old self is darkened in the understanding they're uh, alienated from the life of god because of the ignorance that's in them they become callous they have hard hearts and listen to this they give themselves up to sensuality greedy to practice every kind of impurity the old self is characterized by exaltation of self The old self doesn't understand that the purpose of life is to bring glory to God. The old self isn't concerned about the things of God. The old self, in fact, is ignorant of God. And because of that ignorance, they exalt themselves. And so old self anger manifests itself by exalting self. The person who practices old self anger is motivated by a desire to exalt themselves. And anything that goes contrary with their desires makes them angry, makes them upset talking with this week we're celebrating uh our local ministries and he's talking to kent cloder who's involved with our biblical counseling ministry and he says there's three questions that he asks people when he's talking with them about anger what's motivating them to get angry he says well whose rights have been violated whose rules have been broken i'm paraphrasing here in case i'm saying this wrong uh, whose rights have been broken uh, whose rules have been violated and whose reputation tarnished you ask yourself those questions, you say, well, it's, it's my rights, my rules, my reputation. You understand you're practicing old self-anger. In fact, uh, turn over to James chapter 4. James is uh, towards the end of the Bible. It's after all the T books in the New Testament, after Hebrews, and you come to, to James. James chapter 4, James asks this question. Verse 1. It says, what, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covenant and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. He says, what's the source of all this angry behavior that you're exhibiting? Well, the source is your heart. Your heart has certain things that it desires, and when your heart doesn't get the things that it desires, angry actions take place. The old self desires to exalt itself, and whenever its self doesn't receive the glory that it believes is due, 
there's a motivation to become upset, to have this negative, powerful, passionate emotion. That's what Paul is, is talking about here and what James is talking about as well. There's a pattern. I want something. I want something. I don't get it. I get angry. What motivates us to anger and the old self? I want something. I don't get it. I get upset. There's a lot of different ways that, that we can experience this. Example with our, our kids, you know. I want my child to behave in a certain way. And when my child doesn't behave the way that I want my child to behave, I get upset. Or I have certain expectations from my spouse. I, I want my spouse to respect me. I, I want my spouse to, to, to communicate in a certain wor- uh, way. And when my spouse doesn't behave the way that I believe that, that she should act, then, then I get upset. Or I have a coworker, and, and my, this coworker receives recognition that I don't think that my coworkers do. And so, as my rights, my rules, my reputation have been violated, I become angry. I have this negative emotional response. And as we look at what motivates us to anger, and we see that it's someone treading upon our rights, we realize this is old self anger. I have a desire to be exalted in and of myself, and as, as that desire is thwarted, I become upset. That is old self-anger. In pride, we exalt ourselves. We're offended that our will is not met. Now, that, that's the motivation of old self-anger. Now, how does this old self-anger manifest itself? Remember, we're saying the old the old self-anger, three characteristics. The first one is that it's sinful. It's sinful because of what motivates it. It's sinful because of what manifests itself. How does this old self-anger manifest itself? Well, a couple things. We've already talked about sometimes it just clams up. Okay? We're angry. Our rights have been violated, we believe, and so we, we don't say nothing. Okay? This person's wronged us, and, and uh, there's a feud on. We don't know if they know about it, but we know about it. And when we pass in the hallway, we try to make sure that they know that we're not talking to them. You know, and, and we try to put ourselves sometimes even in context where they can know that we're not talking about them, okay? We clam up, and we don't deal with the problem. Or sometimes the anger manifests itself as we just, we've talked about this already as well, but we just exploded them. We exp- you know, we exploded a person or a situation. Listen to what Proverbs says. I'm going to read a, a couple of Proverbs here this morning. I'm not going to give us time to, to turn there, but if you want to, you can just write them down. Uh, Proverbs 14.29. Proverbs 14.29 says this. He who has a hasty temper exalts folly. The person who has a, a hasty temper is always doing foolish things. They're, they're breaking things. They're, they're yelling at people. They're doing things that are very damaging to themselves. You know, a person gets angry and they, they break, uh, you know, a child gets angry and they, they break their toy, okay? Well, that was, pr- and I, kids, I use this in a, this, I'm using this word theologically. That's a pretty stupid thing to do, right? Okay. It's not very smart to do things that harm yourself and other people. But in our anger, we do it. Okay? We explode. We also manifest sinful anger when we exhibit hurtful behavior. Uh, Proverbs twenty two twenty four says this. Proverbs twenty two twenty four says, Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man. Uh, the pro- the, the Solomon realizes here as he writes this proverb that if you hang around angry people, there's danger to yourself because they do foolish things. They, they hurt other people. You don't want to get in a car with an angry person. This last week, one of my, my children was, was being disobedient. 
I, I told them not to do something, and they kept on asking me if they could do it anyway. And the first time I did okay, the second time they asked me, got a little upset, and then, you know, the, th the third, fourth time comes around, and, and I was doing something else, and so I wasn't really engaging with them the way that I needed to engage. The fifth time, I went ballistic, all right? No! Okay? Maybe you understand it. No, we're not going to do that. Okay. It was like I had taken a two-by-four and hit this kid in the head. Waterworks, right? That's explosive anger. It's hurtful. The person who exhibits angry behavior hurts people around them. And I had to tell this child, I said, look, will you please forgive me? Okay. You... I wasn't dealing with your wrong behavior, and, I dealt, and when I did deal with it, I dealt with it in a sinful way. We please forgive me? And then we disciplined the child as well for, for some things that they were doing. Uh, wrong anger, old self-anger also manifests itself in, in stirring up dissension. It stirs up controversy and arguments. Proverbs 15, 18 says this, A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets controversies. Uh, the person who's a, an angry person comes into a situation and they just stir things up. They, they make it worse. And in a, in a church, you can imagine how damaging this is as well. Paul writes about this in, in 2 Corinthians. He, he talks about how he, he's coming to them. He says, I, I hope that when I get there, I'm not going to see these strifes and these, this anger, and I hope you put all this stuff aside. Because in a church, an angry person is a person that can destroy the unity that God desires to exist within his church. As we've been going through the book of Ephesians, we've talked about things that should be true within the community of Christ. And you can see how an angry person, a person who explodes, who fails to deal with situations in a biblical way, problems, is a person who's just going to be a person stirring up dissension, causing there to be disunity instead of the unity that God desires to be in his church. A person who's an angry person comes into a, a church business meeting and is, and is just kind of causing people to get upset at one another. And, and, and by the time everyone leaves, they just feel very you know, sick to their stomachs. It's that person's a, a person who stirs up things at, at family reunions, within a smaller family, or in a company. A person who's an angry person, old self-anger, sinful anger, manifests itself in dissension. Okay, so old self-anger is, first of all, Paul tells us here, sinful. Related to this, the second thing we see about old self-anger is this in verse 26. He says, he says, uh, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Old self-anger fails to solve problems. The anger of the old self doesn't work to address problems that caused anger in the first place. The command here that Paul gives is to not let the sun go down on your wrath, not to let the sun go down on your anger. And he uses the word anger, the, the word that he uses here that's translated anger is a slightly uh, different word in, in the original language. It means uh, irritation or frustration. The idea is that you would go to bed and you'd, feel, you'd fail to deal with the thing that, that caused you to get frustrated. The old self-anger, instead of attacking a problem biblically and saying, look, we have this issue here, let's discuss it, the old self-anger uh, just allows it to fester, to get worse. Again, as you think about what we're to do as we get righteously angry, it's certainly not this to consider our actions carefully and then to, to deal with them. Uh, some people, as they come to this first, say, well, okay, uh, you know, these are the lawyers in the group, right? They say, well, now, does this mean, 
does this mean that I can get angry at 11 o'clock at night and wait until 6 o'clock the following evening to deal with this? Is that what you're saying? No, of course not, right? W- Paul's point here, he's kind of quoting a proverb here. He's quoting the book of Psalms, actually, but, but it's kind of a saying that means, look, deal with problems quickly. So as I've talked with some people about this principle, about the need to, to deal with a situation that makes you angry quickly, I said, what about this? Let's say that th- there's this, you know, uh, this guy and I are nose-to-nose just yelling at each other. It's not, this is not biblical communication. Should we continue dealing with this? Or should we, don't we need to kind of step aside, collect our thoughts, cool down, and then address the problem? Perhaps. But understand this. At the moment that you fail to be able to address a problem biblically right away, understand that that's sinful. Now, maybe the better thing is to say, look, all right, we're obviously very upset. You bet I'm upset. Yeah, obviously, all right? Let's do this. Let's take half an hour. Let's confess this as sin. Come back and talk to one another and try to solve through the, the problem biblically. But understand, understand that at the moment that you're unable to, to talk with a brother or sister in Christ or another person in a, in a biblical way, you've sinned, okay? And so part of your repentance means, needs to also be saying, you know what? God, will you please forgive me that I wasn't even able to talk to a brother in Christ because I was so furious. So maybe it is good to, to cool down, but you need to understand that that's sinful. And you, need to, you don't need to say, well, let's just talk about it later, you know, whenever that is. But say, you know what, we're going to take 45 minutes. We're going to pray, we're going to come back and, and deal with this. We're going to ask God to, to show us sin in our own heart before we, we talk about the sin that the other person has committed against us. Another thing a person might say is this, all right, Daniel, let, let's say... Um, I understand I need to not let the sun go down on my wrath. Let's say it is 11 o'clock at night, 11.30 at night, and, and all of a sudden the, the situation, we're already up, up, up uh, way past where we want to be up, and, and uh, I'm talking to my, my, uh, my wife or my husband, and, and all of a sudden the situation comes up. It's, it's 11.30 at night, and, and we're, we're, we're just really angry. Should we stay up all night and deal with it? And the later it gets, the, the more tired we get, and we're like, you know, boxers, you know, fighting in a ring half, you know, half blind, and we can't really deal with the issue. What I, I think the answer there is to, to deal with the, the, the overarching issue of just sinful anger. And say, you know what, uh, honey, clearly, clearly you're upset. I, I can see that by the baseball bat in your hand. Let's just both agree that we have sinned against one another. And let's set this time tomorrow to, to deal with all the issues. But, but recognize the big issue of anger right now. And let's just agree that we're going to ask for forgiveness from God and deal with this tomorrow. Pray together real quickly and, and let's, let's work through these issues when we have the opportunity to. But what you've done is you've dealt with the, 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 the problem of festering anger against one another and you'll find that tomorrow the conversation goes much, much better. But more often our tendency is to say, I'm upset, nothing we can do about it, we'll talk about it later and then we never deal with the problem. So old, old, old self-anger characteristic characterized by sinful behavior it's sinful old self-anger also fails to really address the problem biblically and the last thing we see here about old self-anger is it opens us up to further sin look at what he says in verse 26 give no opportunity to the devil the person who engages in sinful anger to, to, to uh, behavior that's that's sinful anger gives the devil opportunity to work further destruction in their life. You know, our flesh, our enemy, the devil, so creative. Someone can wrong us 
terribly, and we sin. I don't know about you, that, that's very frustrating to me. Someone can come to me, do something terrible to me, and my own flesh, the, the devil, can work in conjunction to cause me to sin. Okay? That's very frustrating to me, but it's the reality of, of our hearts. And so he says, give the devil no opportunity. Proverbs 25, 28 says, a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. The person who responds in anger is a person who's defenseless against the enemy, the enemy of our own flesh, our enemy, the devil. The city of Troy had very large walls. They were like 11 feet thick and, and 30 feet tall about. Whenever the Spartans came, they had to siege the city for nine years and were, were unable to conquer the city of Troy because of its enormous walls. Only after the walls were broken into through the, 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 the Trojan horse, only once they were able to get into the city were the Spartans able to defeat the city of Troy. The person who's angry, the person who exhibits sinful anger is a person who's defenseless against the schemes of the enemy. Sinful anger is a damaging emotion that's, that's motivated by our desire to exalt ourselves and manifest itself in behavior that hurts other people. I was reading a story uh, this last week about a lady named uh, Sarah Lavely. Uh, Sarah had a very terrible thing happen to her. She had her, her husband uh, of 12 years left her. What happened to Sarah is she became so angry that her husband left her. What she would do is she would, she would go out every morning to the driveway, and she'd take some of her husband's belongings, and each day she'd, she'd break something and just smash it on her driveway. Eventually, she got to the point where she needed to, 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 to leave and, and go, st go stay with her mother, and so she did that, and yet uh, she found that she was still angry, and so she opened up a store. It's in California, and you can go there, and for $25, you can buy plates, write on these plates, and smash them against the wall. Now, in the 60s and 70s, uh, that was, uh, people believed that, that venting your anger, psychologists believed that venting your anger was actually a very health, healthy thing, and even in the 80s and 90s, it was it was a, a therapy a tool, a therapy tool that people would use. Here's what one psychologist says: said surprisingly, surprisingly, uh, punching pillows, punching pillows, and breaking dishes doesn't reduce subsequent anger emotions. Uh, basically, I if you get angry, a surprise, you're going to get ang more angry later. He goes on and says arousal just increases your arousal. Well, congratulations, psychology. You know, you figured out what. Uh, the people of God knew 3,000 years ago. A harsh answer stirs up wrath. A gentle answer turns away anger. How do you put off old self-anger? Let me give you a couple suggestions. First of all, you must, you must be converted, right? You have to have a new heart, a new heart of righteousness. Another thing that we must do is to, to not mislabel anger. Don't call it frustration. Don't call it irritation. Call it what it is. I'm angry. It's a sinful emotion because it's motivated by my desire to exalt myself. Identify the idols in your heart that are causing you to get angry. When you feel that feeling of frustration, your, your will has been thwarted, what is it that you wanted to have happen? Some people encourage us, to, and I think this is a good tool to use to help you in this area, to keep an anger journal. Write down, when you become angry, write down, 
what prompted this? What did I want to have happen? I wanted my child to be obedient to me. I wanted my, my spouse to respect me. I wanted my, my co-workers to recognize my work, and I became angry. This is what happened. Then what did you do? Well, I, I yelled at him, you know. I, I let him have it. And then right now, how well did that work out? You know? What was the result? What was the result of that angry behavior? Okay. It's very helpful, I think, to identify those things in your life that you're worshiping, those ways that you're exalting yourself instead of God. Let's look now at, at new man anger, the anger that's, that's uh, the new self. Paul tells us to, to get angry, and I'd like to just, again, suggest that this type of anger is very, very rare if it exists at all. In fact, uh, let, me, let me just say this, too. I'm confident, well, I'm pretty sure that I've never experienced pure righteous anger with no element of the old self at all and i'm confident that no one who's been angry at me has ever exhibited it perfectly okay i know that no one who's ever been angry at me has has purely had uh, the new ang well not totally confident except god right except god here's some uh, let's let's talk about the motivation of new self anger and the manifestation of, of new self anger first of all you have to understand the motivation of new self-anger is, is a new heart. God, whenever we place our faith in Jesus Christ, creates a new heart within us. And now, listen to this, we have a heart that desires God's glory. No longer do we desire to exalt ourselves in our, in our innermost being, but now we have a passion for God. We want to see God glorified. We want to see his rules followed. We want to see his rights exalted, and we want to see his reputation exalted above all else. And so new anger can only come from a heart that is passionate about the glory of God. And as we're passionate for the glory of God, our heart becomes troubled deeply within us when the things that God desires to have happen don't happen. It vexes our spirit. Moses, remember in Exodus, whenever the, I believe it's Exodus 32, whenever uh, the, the golden calf is created and, and God tells Moses what's happening. God is furious. Moses says God and intercedes for the people and, and, and talks to God and then Moses comes down and Moses burned hot with rage. That was a godly rage because he was angry at the same things that God was angry about. Moses was passionate for God's glory and that passion for God's glory manifested itself in anger when God's glory was not obtained. And so the heart that's going to be motivated rightly to anger is going to be a heart that's not desiring to exalt ourselves, but desiring to exalt God. How does this anger manifest itself? Well, we become angry at those same things that make God angry. And catch this. Think about Romans 1.18. Romans 1.18 says the anger, the wrath of God is exhibited against what? All unrighteousness and ungodliness how much how much unrighteousness all think very carefully about the application of that that means when i become angry at a situation i am not just angry at how god's glory has been diminished by another person so for example uh, my, my neighbor comes and and uh, dings my car or something i i, I get upset 
That's unrighteous anger. Or I see something bad that my, my coworker does, and, and, and I'm tempted to say, well, that's righteous anger because they've done something wrong. Well, God's wrath is directed at how much unrighteousness? All unrighteousness. And so check your heart and ask yourself, am I just as upset at the unrighteousness in my own life as I am at the unrighteousness in other people's lives? That's a great test to see whether or not you have truly righteous anger. I'm not just angry at what my child is doing. I'm upset. I have a godly anger at my own heart. I'm upset at the way that I'm responding to my child. I'm upset about the things that I did to get my child in that that situation in the first place. What else makes God upset? What else makes God angry? Hard hearts, Romans 2.5 tells us. Unbelief makes God angry, we see in Numbers 14. Idolatry makes God angry, we see in in Ezekiel 20 and other passages. And I believe this too, God has a special anger that's directed against injustice, against oppression of the weak, against those who are are most helpless in society as they're abused. Remember in Ezekiel 34, God says he's against the shepherds of Israel because they have been abusing the weak. God says that Jesus gets angry at the Pharisees because they have hard hearts towards people who are, who are crippled and, 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 don't, and, and they don't desire them to be healed. They have a greater passion for their own rules and regulations than the, 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 the benefit of these helpless people. Jesus gets angry at the disciples because of the way that they treat children. So God has a special anger that's exhibited against people who oppress the weak fail to consider their needs. Okay. So, new self-anger motivated by a passion for God manifests itself as, first of all, as we get angry at the same things God get, gets angry at. It also manifests itself as we're compelled, we're compelled to action in a controlled manner. Righteous anger does compel us to do things, but we do those things in a controlled manner. And so if we're trying to, to solve a problem, we get angry, we're trying to, to deal with unrighteousness or something, and we're out of control, that's not godly anger. Godly anger deals with the situation with a controlled response. Even Jesus, as he overturns the, the, the tables, is, is controlled in his anger. Another characteristic of, of godly anger, another way that it manifests itself, is the desire to benefit other people, even the people that you're angry at. Jesus, or uh, Paul, as he becomes uh, upset at Peter in Galatians chapter 2 because Paul is, is t- or Peter's teaching some do- things that are not doctrinally true. Uh, Paul's anger is, is uh, designed to help Peter repent and his desire is for, for repentance. And that's another test to, to determine whether or not you have true biblical anger, godly anger, or unbiblical, ungodly anger. Do I desire this person that, or the situation that I'm upset at to, to change or I just want to exhibit my rage against it? I know that uh, we're going a little bit long here, but I want to I make sure we, we cover this adequately. Please apologize to the people watching your children. You know, uh, another characteristic of, of godly anger is that it's, it's aimed at the problem. You know, it's aimed at the problem, not, not at uh, exasperating the, pro- uh, the problem. It, it delights in people's restoration. And oftentimes, when we're angry at someone who's unrighteous, our anger... Our anger does not desire what's best for them. It doesn't desire for rest, restu- rest, uh, restoration. It desires to really just uh, uh, punitive punishment. I believe that right now we're a very angry country. It's a very angry 
the left was very angry at, at President Bush whenever he was in office, and, and the right is very angry sometimes at, at uh, Obama, uh, President Obama now that he's in office. In fact, this last weekend, April, or last week, April 15th, it was uh, you know, these, these tea parties across, across the country. And, and, and I'm not saying it's wrong to, to protest against the government. I'm not even saying that, that uh, it, was, it would be wrong to, to protest on, on April 15th. But let me just say this, kind of a caution. Sometimes the things that motivate us to protest against our government are not God's glory being diminished, but our own rights being trampled upon. And, and again, I'm not saying it's right for government to trample on the rights of people, and I believe that we should stick up. In fact, uh, you know, I'm, I'm from the state of Texas. Okay? I, I'm a southerner by birth. I was a Texan by choice, and now I'm ministering here in a strange land by, by God's grace. and Foreign missions God's called me to. This last week, uh, Governor Perry on April 15th at one of these parties, uh, the governor of Texas said, uh, just, you know, remember, Texas can secede from the union anytime it wants to. And, and the Texan inside me goes, yeah, it can. That's right, buddy. Anytime we want. Or turn into four different states. We can do it. We're big. Yeah. It's a, not a godly anger. It's not a righteous anger. And oftentimes, our ups- when we're upset at the government, we're upset at political institutions, we don't have a godly anger. We want what uh, what's ours. We're, we're not angry at the immorality that our government promotes. We're not angry at the injustice. We're angry at our own personal harm that's been caused. And I believe it's right. I believe absolutely it is right to be angry at our government right now in many ways. I think about the, the evil of abortion in our country, and it is right to be angry at that. And yet it must be a godly anger that is controlled, that is loving, the desires, true repentance and change to occur. How do we develop this, this righteous anger? Well, first of all, we, we put off the old, right? We're converted. We put on righteous anger as we begin memorizing Scripture. James 1:19 through 20 is a, a passage that I meditate on all the time. It says, uh, let everyone be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to become angry for the Anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. That is a passage that I meditate on all the time, and I encourage us to put on righteous anger to, to memorize Scripture like that. Oh, we have to go to God's Word, read it, and become passionate about the same things that God is passionate about. Understand what He loves, and love that too, so that you can become angry at the right things, and then get bothered by sin. Become angry, upset in a godly way at the things of unrighteousness in your life and in the lives of others. And when I say angry, again, we're talking about this new anger, and this new anger is so radically different than this old type of anger, you might even as well just call them different things because they're so radically different in what motivates them and how they manifest themselves. But you and I have a responsibility to be upset at unrighteousness. What does this look like? It means that when I'm upset at my my spouse, I'm, I'm not upset that he left his socks on the floor. I'm not angry about that. I'm angry at the way that, that bitterness has crept into our marriage. I'm anger, angry at the way that, that uh, I have treated him and he's treated me. It means that when, I, when I, my, ch- my children lie to me, I'm not angry because they've lied to me. I'm angry because it represents a heart that's become hardened toward the truth of God. And I'm angry because I know where that sin leads. And I'm angry at the lies in my own life as well. Let me just encourage you, don't despair this morning if you're feeling very convicted about anger. You know, um, as I think about my own life, 
and my, you know, my, my beautiful wife, who I've been angry at before, my children, I can see the, the scars of my anger in their life. And it troubles me greatly. But understand this, as we put off this old anger and, and pray that God, in His grace, would cause our anger to be more and more righteous, know that God does even beautiful things through our sin and can turn scars into beautiful testaments to His glory. A few weeks ago, I'd, I'd wronged my son, and, and I, I'd, 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 uh, I'd raised my voice at him, and I said, look, you understand, Daddy should not have raised his voice here. This was a, a sinful behavior. Please forgive me for losing my temper. That night, as he prayed, you know what he prayed? Dear God, please help Daddy control his temper. But what is he learning? He's learning that Daddy is a sinner and that Daddy needs God's help as much as anyone else. And that's going to help him someday as he struggles with sin of, of whatever kind. And he's going to understand what it looks like to put off the old man and put on the new. And for that, I rejoice. We're going to look around and we see scars everywhere, but we understand that God in his glory can turn those scars, God in his power can turn those scars into testimony of his glory. Let's pray. Father, help us to be angry and yet not be angry. Help us to be angry as we consider your glory and let us put off any sort of anger that exalts ourselves. Father, we thank you for your word that, that uh, tells us about this whole new life to live, this life that's beyond our comprehension. And fathers, I think about this area of, of anger, I don't understand it. I, I don't understand totally how to exhibit it. And, and yet I know by your grace, by the work of your son Jesus, you can do it. And, and Father, I, I pray especially for people here this morning that are struggling with anger, th things that have been done against them that are terrible, terrible things. And Father, please allow them to experience the freedom from a, a worldly anger and the joy of peace and righteousness in you. And I pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen.